The Plumley Pod, episode 37. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education. The Plumley Pod. Hello and welcome to the Plumley Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Plumley, and a belated but very happy all the same New Year to you. Yep, this is the first one officially back from the Christmas and New Year's breaks. It hasn't really been much of a break. It's been crazy, crazy busy. We've been rescuing the children from the state indoctrination centres and a good job done by all too. So uh, welcome to the new Gorilla Edders the guerrilla educators, those people who are removing their children from the state indoctrination centres and are teaching them at home. Big shout out to all of you super, super heroes. Well, have I got some dark and dingy tales to tell you this week. I have far too much material to cover, so I promise to try my very best to be brief. But here's what's coming up. Digital IDs are already here. Yeah, you heard that right. I have some personal experience of this in the last week or two. The social credit system is also already here. It's not some far-off thing from China land or whatever. It's not what the crazy conspiracy theorists were talking about, but they were absolutely right because the social credit system is well and truly here. When I say here, I am talking UK. I don't mean America. I'm not talking about Jacinda the Teeth in Australasia. She's over there in New Zealand, isn't she? I'm not speaking about the official down under with the Aussies. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking right here in their little old blighty, the social credit system, more on that shortly. Of course, that means programmable money. I hesitate to say CBDC, central bank digital currency, because that's not quite what it is yet, but certainly the forerunner of it. And that is, of course, programmable money, where you can only spend it where you're allowed to spend it. It's been fun. It really has. And then customer disservice. This is on the rise everywhere. Each week, my guru editors come to Truth Talk Thursday and forever we're hearing tales of uh, appalling examples of customer service. In fact, it's so bad, it can't even be called customer services anymore. It's customer disservice. I think this is deliberate. I think this is a massive, massive part of the agenda. So without further ado, I'm going to start there actually with customer disservice. I live in rural southwest France and have a very, very poor internet connection. I'm talking, you know, 2004 kind of poor 2004 speeds. If you can remember what your internet speeds were back in 2004, you know, the the early Middle Ages compared with these days, well, that's what I've been operating with because everything here is overground. There are no underground cables where I live to have things like broadband. There's pros and cons to this, but in any case, I've been looking to upgrade because, of course, all of my work now has to be online because I'm banned from traveling. Did I do anything wrong? No, I just refused to take experimental medicine. In fact, I refused to take any medicine or any medical intervention unless I specifically wish to have it. So that means I can't leave. So I I, I no longer lecture in the UK. I'm no longer inside UK schools because I'm physically prevented from traveling. Crazy, isn't it? The year is 2023 and a mathematics teacher. Okay, a pretty good one. But nevertheless, a mathematics teacher is banned from traveling unless she submits to the state's version of what should and should not be in your body. Absolutely disgraceful. And where does that kind of thinking stop? What if, you know, you have to take a lethal injection? And yeah, people laugh and call you Alex Jones and stuff, but I thin end of the wedge is a big deal. Just look at history. 
just look back, just turn the pages of history, and it's always the thin end of the wedge. The people who are more liberal-minded or think they are, scratch a liberal and you find a fascist, of course, but the people who pretend to be liberal and kind and nice and caring about others, they allow these little creep, creep, creeps in, and all of a sudden, bam, you've got totalitarianism whereby you cannot leave or re-enter the country without taking a government poison, a government-sponsored, a government-sanctioned poison, completely disgraceful. Anyway, I digress. So I'm kind of stranded here. It's very important to me that I have a really good internet connection. So unfortunately, unfortunately, I've had to do a deal with the devil. Probably not literally, but I, you know, Elon Musk is not exactly my favorite person. And to all you people who think he's the hero and he's going to save us, you're absolutely barking mad. You're the tinfoil hatter, believe me. I don't rate this man. I've got lots to say about this man, but I'll save that for another day. Suffice to say that I've had to sign up for his, I call it DARPA link. I think it's called Starlink. It might be called Skylink. I'm rubbish, the real name. But let's face it, it's DARPA link. It's probably technology developed by DARPA somewhere along the line. I don't put it this way. I don't believe Elon Musk had very much to do with it. Anyway, I managed to get one of these wacky Elon Musk satellite dishes that supposedly track satellites and give you better internet connection. Don't ask me. I've no idea how it works and I don't care. I just wanted to get a quicker, a faster internet, faster upload download speed and all the rest of it. And okay, it works. And I'm very pleased. However, it took me 45 days. I had an ongoing battle with customer services for 45 days. When you order your DARPA link, you're supposed to receive the equipment within two weeks and be up and running within a day. Well, it took me 45 days The equipment took about three weeks to arrive. And then from then onwards, it was an absolute hell. You can't telephone anybody, of course. That's what happens with these big tech companies, these massive monopoly companies. You can't have a phone conversation with anybody. And with some companies where you can have a phone conversation, it's actually, you might as well just be speaking to a bot because they won't veer off the script. But we'll come to that later. I had a lovely chat with a gentleman called Moses. Yeah, really, from a customer disservice outfit from a different company just earlier this week. That really was something. But in any case, I was unable to call anybody from DARPA Link and actually speak to a human being. So you have to email them. You send a message via their app or whatever, and also perhaps an email. And it became apparent to me that nobody was actually reading these emails properly. They weren't responding to my specific complaints, like the equipment's here and it's working, but you're saying that I don't have an account with you. How do I not have an account with you when you delivered the stuff to my house and you have my credit card details? I can see that you do because it's there in your app, but nobody would listen to that. They would say, oh, we're having delays at the moment. Please bear with us, blah, blah, blah. There was no kind of interaction, no real interaction. Suggests AI is reading it, does it not? Either that or something far less intelligent, perhaps. Anyway, it boiled down to somebody not flicking a switch at the end of the day. So I sat there with no decent internet for about three weeks, maybe four, because somebody couldn't read an email and type a few strokes of the keypad into the software. So I literally could have had access and didn't. Very, very frustrating. And of course, they try to placate you with, oh, have some credit, have 50 quid off, have 75 quid off. No, I want your stuff to work and I want to be treated like a human being. I don't expect this kind of customer disservice. Completely disgraceful. Very, very unhappy with that. And apparently it's not the only thing that has terrible customer services with regard to Mr. Musk's various outfits. There's, of course, Twitter, which is notorious. You can be super famous and have your Twitter account suspended and you can't talk to anybody. What is that? 
Isn't that just the quintessential geek who doesn't know how to communicate with anybody? They want to sit in their bedroom and play on the computer and not speak to anybody and not be accountable to anybody and not stand there and accept responsibility for wrongdoing. To me, that just it's classic. And these large corporations that are classed as big tech, they're just bigger versions of the micro. If you take that spotty teenager, miserable, nasty, sat in his bedroom playing on Call of Duty all the time, not speaking with anybody, pretty narcissistic, doesn't like to make eye contact when people enter the room, that sort of guy, you know, the kind of chap. I mean, aren't these larger companies like Twitter, don't they just behave like that? Facebook, Twitter, Instamone, you name it, the lot of them. They can all go to hell as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, that's the nicest thing I have to say this morning. So if you're having a bad day, you might want to save the rest of this little rant this little podcast for later because it doesn't get any better from here, ladies and gentlemen. It really, really doesn't. So in the last 12 months, I have had four attacks on three different bank accounts of mine. Two of the accounts are with the same company. It's an online monetary exchange company, really. It's You have a wallet rather than an account. And the other one was a legit account from a very famous UK bank. So I've had four instances where multiple transactions have been taken from my account without my permission, without my knowledge. And we're talking, you know, 20 transactions within the space of one minute, all for roughly the same amount. So I've been, you know, hundreds and occasionally thousands of pounds have been removed from my bank accounts. Now, I've never had this happen to me in my entire life. I'm in my late 30s, never had any problems with internet fraud or any kind of fraud at all. I've never been stolen from apart from by the tax man but apparently that's legal. Not sure about that. Anyway, I've never had a problem. I'm very cautious. I'm very careful with where I put my cards. I don't really use a mobile phone anymore, but it never leaves my premises. It never. I, if I go out, I do not take my phone with me. That's a principal thing because I will not be scanning a QR code to go anywhere. Thank you very much. So I have a dumb phone and I don't even take that with me either because I don't wish to be tracked. So not that I'm very interesting and ought to be tracked. Like I keep repeating, I'm just a boring maths teacher, a good one, but not a dangerous one. I don't teach dangerous maths. I'm not clever enough. I don't know it. I know somebody who does. She works for Ernst & Young in Australia, in Sydney. But um, you know, she's the one that you probably ought to track because she could teach dangerous maths. I teach basics, ABCs, 1, 2, 3s. But anyway, perhaps because I teach them so well, perhaps that is the threat. Anyway, I digress. So aside from these bank account hacks, now they're very, very curious, one in particular, because security is supposed to be such that if somebody makes 20 identical transactions in the space of a minute, deductions from someone's account. Isn't that suspicious activity? Wouldn't AI, being super duper clever, a bank as large as, let's say, for example, Barclays Bank in the UK, famous bank in the United Kingdom, wouldn't a bank account like that just stop that transaction, particularly if it's from a company, let's say, just for the sake of argument, somebody like Bolton City Council, with whom the owner of the account, that would be me, has never had any dealings in her life whatsoever. I've never lived in Bolton. I, I, I might have been there twice about 20 years ago, once to watch a concert at the Reebok Arena, and once, I think, to watch my sister in a dreadful amateur play. Awful, blech, wretched. But in any case, I haven't been there for over 20 years. I've never lived there, never had any dealings there. And Bolton City Council removed something like 11 or 13 transactions within a minute of 60-something pounds. So, I don't really understand why AI didn't work at a major bank like Barclays. Just saying, for example, not saying it is Barclays, of course, but there you go. So I don't know why that happened, but it's been happening. It seems that the more interesting guests I have on my podcast, the more things happen. So since that 
attack on my UK bank account. I've had three more, two on a personal account and one on a business account with a different company. And it's all the same kind of stuff. It's very, very interesting, actually. The one with this monetary wallet that I have, you can only buy things online using your debit card. So you, in a very prescribed fashion, I'm sure some of you have come across this. And if not, oh, 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 are you going to have some fun in the not too distant future with voice dripping in irony there? I hope you can tell. So what was happening was I would buy something online and then it would say, you must verify this transaction. Your merchant wants you to verify this transaction, whatever. So three options will come up. So this is at the point of checkout. I've already gone through checkout. I've already put my three-digit card number in, you know, the little one from the back of the card, all of that nonsense. I've already cleared everything, put my card details in, put the uh, expiry date in, put my name in. Then it says, no, you need to go for further verification. So three options pop up at this point. I can click on the app, but I can only do that on my phone. So if I'm buying something, say on my computer, you know, it's only my registered device, my mobile phone that I don't really have, that I'm able to verify this transaction and allow this transaction to go through. The alternative is to receive a text message. Again, it must be only to my registered device. It can't be any old phone number. Or I can receive a phone call to confirm that, yes, this is me. And yes, I would like to buy my 10 tins of Heinz beans online, please. I kid you not. So these are the only options. Now, given these are the only options, these are the only way I can purchase anything online using my cards with this particular company. How is it that somebody put through, again, it was double digits of transactions, 11, 13, perhaps not as many as 20 at Domino's Pizza. So there was something like, let's say for the sake of argument, 10 transactions that went through at roughly 25 quid within an hour to an hour and a half, say, off my debit card. How is that possible in the age of internet security? Whenever I try to buy something with these cards, my cards, I have to go through that process whereby I either click the app and confirm using the app that, yes, I want to approve the payment to this company for this amount, or I have to receive a text message and then type that special little code they send you via text message into the machine before it will verify my transaction for my 10 cans of Heinz baked beans. Alternatively, I have to wait for them to give me a little phone call so that I can confirm over the phone. Obviously, I will have to give them a load more security details, I shouldn't wonder, and then I can have my transaction. Given that that is the only way I am able to use these cards online, how was this mystery person, quote unquote, able to take 10 transactions? It was probably more than that because it was a lot of Domino's pizza, let's put it that way. Interestingly, there is no Domino's pizza where I live. And if there were one, I wouldn't use it anyway for very obvious reasons. But yeah, this is a company that I've never, ever given any money to, particularly not since I've held these cards. I've held them for over five years. And there you go. All of this money was removed from my account. So obviously, I was not a very happy pixie. But that is not the reason for my rant this morning. The reason for my rant is I want to warn you because there is some seriously, seriously dark stuff going on here. There must be because of what happened next. This week, I attempted to transfer some money from the same account that I just talked about that was, you know, money was taken from the, by the pizza place, supposedly, the pizza place that doesn't exist around here, that one, you know. Well, not only did they manage to do that, but I got the card, obviously the card was stopped, a new card was sent. So since that's happened, so, you know, change the password, change the pin, get a new card, all of that business, all that rigmarole for the fourth time this year, I kid you not. I don't mean this year, I mean the previous 12 months, but still in a calendar year, fourth time, unbelievable. Anyway, so here I am 
with my new card all ready to go. And I've activated it. I think that's what they call it, where you go to a machine and yeah, you type your pin in and yeah, it's me and you get some money out, whatever. Anyway, it came time to pay my podcast producer, the lovely Chris. And I've paid him before many times for many, many months now since last May. But I've used this account with him lots and lots of times, once per month. And the company refused to let me pay my bill. They said I had to send a selfie. Excuse me, what? Yeah, you heard that right. They wanted me to send them a selfie. They wanted me to send them a selfie and then either the front and back of my driver's license, my photocard driver's license, or my passport. Now, they've already had my passport, birth certificate, and driver's license when I opened the account five years or so ago. Also, they have seen these items subsequently because very occasionally they would get you to re-verify your driver's license, which I didn't like. Even the banksters don't do that yet. Even the banksters. But these online companies, mm -mm -mm, thin end of the wedge job. Anyway, we're now at the point where almost every transaction, they're demanding a selfie. What is that selfie for, ladies and gentlemen? Why do they want a selfie? Why is the photocard driver's license not enough? Why is the passport? You obviously have a picture in your passport, right? Why is that not enough? You shouldn't have to even do that, in my opinion. I think it's disgusting. It's a gross invasion of privacy. It's nothing to do with online security. If it was, then how would that entity have managed to take all of those Domino's pizza transactions out of my account, even though it's supposedly impossible? Because like I said, every time I buy something with the same cards, I have to either verify using the app on my registered device, or I have to receive a text message, a code via text message and enter that on my registered device, or accept a phone call and go through further security on my registered device. So if this really was about security, if they really did need my passport and driver's license for a new transaction, then how come all of those things were allowed to happen? doesn't make any sense. And I go back to my previous point, what is the selfie for? Isn't that just degradation and humiliation? I don't think so, actually. I think it's more than that. I do think it's degrading. I think it's a despicable way to treat a human being. How dare you? How dare you have so much mistrust in a loyal customer? I ought to add, actually, not that it should matter, not that it should matter, but I have no credit with these people, as in I don't have any debt. I've never ever, isn't it funny how credit is debt? Isn't that an inversion? Isn't that a total bait and switch? What I mean to say is my account has always been in the black with these people. I've never been in the red. I don't have an overdraft. I don't have any loans. I don't have any debt, not with this company and not with any other either. So, you know, I'm, I'm without meaning to sound funny, I should be a gold standard customer for a financial, any financial institution, except I'm not, am I? I'm the worst kind of customer because they want the people with the biggest overdrafts. They want the people with the most maxed out credit cards. They want the people with the biggest mortgages that they can't afford and car loans, et cetera. Why? Because it's about control. It's not about serving customers. It's not about customer service. It's customer disservice. Unbelievable. So obviously I refuse the selfie. This selfie thing has been really bothering me. My opinion, and it is just my opinion. So as I'm a conspiracy theorist, let's call it spoiler alert, spoiler alert, because let's face it, conspiracy theorists are just today's spoilers, aren't they? Spoiler alert. I think they're collecting those selfies for some sort of biometrics. I think it's biometrical data harvesting, something like that. I'm not an expert in this area, obviously not, but I cannot think of a good reason why you would need a photo card, driver's license, and or a picture passport, a proper passport, and a selfie. 
if that wasn't to do with data harvesting or this biometrics. We're seriously ramping up here for the biosecurity state that the so-called lunatics, the so-called tinfoil hatters, the so-called conspiracy theorists, the likes of Alex Jones and David Icke, have been being castigated for decades over. Well, they were right, weren't they? Here we are. So what's really interesting was all I was trying to do was transfer money from me to me within the same company as well. So I have a business and a private wallet, if you want to call it a wallet, with the same company, and they wouldn't let me move my money from one to the other without the selfie, the photocard, driver's license, and or a passport. Crazy, huh? So that was one aspect of it. And the other one was that I was not allowed to pay my podcast producer, even though I've paid him from that account many, many times. Again, they wanted the same thing, the selfie, the passport, and the driver's license. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. I'm refusing to comply with that. That is not acceptable to me in any way, shape, or form. There's a few things going on here. Number one, the selfie business, I bet it will come out in the future that they were data harvesting. They'll, they'll swear blind they're not, but we know that huge companies like that, especially techie companies, they just lie and they lie and they lie some more. And then when they're caught, they say, oh yeah, of course, we've always done that. It's standard operating procedure. So number one, I'm not having this in my personal and private life or in my professional life. It's not acceptable. That kind of breach of privacy is a disgraceful way to treat a customer. It's humiliating. It's degrading. I'm not taking a selfie in my pyjamas. How dare you? If I'm busy, what if I'm at work and I get somebody else to pay my bills for me, my business bills, because I'm busy actually doing my job, working? What happens then? This has just not been thought, well, it has been thought through. It's not there to help us. It's there to hinder us, isn't it? I think it's entirely deliberate. The next thing that I object to is why should you have to have a driver's license and or a passport in order to have a bank account or some sort of online monetary transfer system, an online wallet. There is no legal requirement to have a driver's license if you're not intending to drive a car. And there are many people who don't drive cars. My uncle is one of them. My son-in-law is another one. My brother is another one. That's probably quite a high number of people for one family. I'm aware of that. But there are plenty of people who don't wish to drive. And that kind of fits with the New World Order psycho agenda anyway, doesn't it? They don't want us in private cars. So they shouldn't be bothered about that one now, should they? And the other thing is a passport. Like, frankly, there's no point me having one of those anymore, is there? I'm not allowed to go anywhere. I either take the poison shot, I either take the clock shot, take my chances. Can you imagine which one I'd get? Yeah, I'm pretty sure which one I'd get, ladies and gentlemen. It won't be one of the saline ones. It won't be one of the nice ones, will it? Or one of the less bad ones. I'll get the kill shot, you know it, or something terrible. So what's the point of me having a passport? And also, it is not a legal requirement to have a passport. And in the UK, we still don't have ID cards. Thank goodness people resisted the evil Tony Blair's bullying and badgering of the population over these wretched ID cards. Because back in those days, British people still valued and cherished freedom and privacy. Um, sad to say, it's clearly not the same anymore in the post-Convid hoax years, the post-Convid 1984 years. Very, very sad. I think ID cards would get in now if there was a referendum. The, the sheeple are well and truly sold. They are so terrified, they're willing to trade their freedom for fake safety and fake security. They're willing to trade freedom for a perceived safety and security. Absolutely pathetic, spineless. I cannot love them and I never will, just saying. So, the next line of defense. So my first argument is, why do you need a selfie? This is data harvesting, isn't it? For this biosecurity state that's coming in, despicable. Also, it's demeaning and degrading. So there's kind of two sort of arguments there. The next argument is, why should anybody who doesn't have a passport and or a driver's license be prevented from having a bank account or from... It's very, very difficult to not get into trouble with the state and or the utility companies if you don't have a bank account, isn't it? What are you going to do? 
get your piggy bank and go and empty it on the desk at Eon or at Orange or at EDF or whatever. Really? Are they going to let you do that? And if so, for how long? You're discriminating in a very bad way, in the worst sense of the word. You're discriminating against certain types of citizens, aren't you? And particularly, it has to be said, poor people. Lots of poor people don't have passports. They can't afford to go abroad. Lots of poor people don't have a car, don't have a driver's license. Learning to drive is expensive, especially these days. And I bet it's going to get more and more expensive also. So it's not okay for a large section of society. What about the elderly? The elderly often let their passports expire because they know that they're not really wanting to travel anymore because it's stressful. Their body might not be up to it. They've got lots of medications, perhaps. And many of them stop driving at a certain age and think that's enough for me. I'm not renewing my driver's license or the driver's license expires anyway. Is it it 70th birthday or something like that in the UK? You have to correct me. I probably didn't get that right. But there is an age at which your driver's license naturally expires in the UK anyway. And then you have to take, I think it's an annual mini test or something in order to renew it all in the name of safety and security, of course. So we now have companies, large corporations, the banksters and others, these internet wallets who pretend that's one of my beefs. This particular company, their strap line is buy, buy banks. So they pretend that they're better than the banksters. Um, They might be in terms of exchange rate. Yes, I get a better exchange rate between pounds and euros, euros and pounds, pounds and dollars, dollars and pounds with them than I would with any bank. However, the way in which they behave, all this degrading selfie business is absolutely disgusting. Imagine every other transaction that you want to make online, you have to go through this process of uploading your passport, taking a picture of your passport, taking a picture of you. What a waste of time. So we're now openly discriminating. Can you imagine if uh, one of these companies misgendered somebody? Can you imagine the furore if one of those alphabet mafia people was called sir or miss incorrectly. So you you call uh, someone who identifies as a woman, sir, or someone who identifies as a man, miss. Can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine? Yeah, there'd be uproar, wouldn't there? And yet it's perfectly fine to exclude the elderly from having a bank account or a, a monetary transfer wallet with you because they don't have a passport or a driver's license. It's fine to discriminate against some young people, Perhaps if you're 16 and you're in full-time work, but you don't yet have a driver's license because you're not 17, you can't get your provisional and you've never been abroad and can't go because you haven't got a job yet and you're not earning and working. So we're discriminating against the young, we're discriminating against the old and we're discriminating against the poor. That's all fine because diversity and inclusion and equity is not for you. Did you hear me? The die religion, diversity, inclusion and equity, it isn't for you diversity, D, inclusion, I, equity, E. Always do it in that order. It's the die religion because it's going to result in death. The die religion is for um, the oppressed. And we know who the oppressed are, don't we? They're the ones with the blue hair. Yeah, they're the oppressed people. Yeah, right. So we've got this selfie business going on. We've got this passport, driver's license business going on. Then there's another angle. As it so happens, I have let my passport expire because It's very obvious to me that I won't be going anywhere, probably ever again, and certainly for a very, very long time, because I will not bend. I will not submit. I will not be silenced. I will not be censored and I will not be stopped. And I will not submit to government tyranny. You do not tell me, or pharma fascism, pharma tyranny, you do not tell me what I put on and in my body. Because where does that stop? Talking about thin end of wedges, where does that stop if the government can decide what goes in to your body, 
that is sickening. Truly, truly sickening. I ask you to consider that very, very carefully. Anyway, I let my passport expire because I'm not going anywhere. And also, you know what's going to happen to me if I did have a legit passport and if I could travel somewhere, say Denmark, that didn't require a vaccine. And let's pretend Macron would let me back into France without a vaccine as well and without a test. (laughs) Let's just pretend. Let's play a game. What if? What if I could visit somewhere like Denmark? who's, by the way, banned the vaccines for the under 50s. Yeah, you heard that right. They banned all of these dodgy vaccines, all of them, for this COVID, not this fake COVID-1984 nonsense. They banned them for the under 50s. So, you know, let's say I could make this trip. Well, you know damn well I'm just going to get pulled over every time I cross a border, every time my passport's scanned, I'm going to be detained and questioned. The person detaining me and questioning me won't know why. There'll just be a flag on my passport. I'm pretty sure of it. You know, four bank account hacks in a year. One of my email accounts has been turned upside down. And now this nonsense where I can't transfer money to myself from one account to the other within the same company, within the same company, within the same currency, within the same country, without submitting to these ridiculous rules or pay my podcast producer. So you just know that I'm going to get stopped. And if you think that's fanciful, watch, what is it called? Citizen 4. Citizen 4, as in Citizen I think we all know what one of those is is and is not. Citizen 4, 4 as in the number 4. F-O-U-R. Citizen 4. It's about Edward Snowden. Very, very interesting. The lead journalist, uh, I can't remember the lady's name. The first name is Laura. uh, And I can't remember how to say her surname. It begins with a P. I'm probably going to spell it wrong, so I won't even try. But she's an award-winning journalist. And I mean a seriously award-winning documentary filmmaker. And she was the one who filmed this documentary, Citizen 4, along with Edward Snowden, Glenn Greenwald, and various, various others. Absolutely fascinating. She gets stopped everywhere she goes. And the people questioning her have no idea why they're stopping her. She explains it's harassment. She gets stopped everywhere she goes. Why? Because she's made documentary films that the regime, she's American, the regime don't like, that the regime find offensive, or that the regime think it's dangerous to their national security. Yeah, it would be dangerous to your national security, but not from the bad guys, from the good guys. Because when the good guys find out what you've been doing and not doing in places like Iraq, for example, there would be mayhem. So bless her. I'm pretty confident I'd be one of those people. But in any case, I literally can't go anywhere. So why should I have a passport? Secondly, my driver's license is now expired. And I don't really need one of those because like I said, can't really go anywhere. Also, my husband drives. So now I have this situation whereby I have an account that I've had for at least five years, two accounts that I've had for five years. They've had all of my information. I've verified who I am. I have passwords with them. I have a registered device with them. They've seen my passport, my birth certificate, and my driver's license. Most of those documents they've seen more than once. And they've expired. Do you know how long it is to get a passport in the UK? It's a minimum of 10 weeks waiting list. 10 weeks. And the last time I checked the DVLA, it was six to eight weeks. So I might be able to get one of those documents here to France in, it wouldn't be six to eight weeks if they're sending it from the UK to France because of delays and because of customs, which has got really tasty since Brexit. They're now being deliberately obtuse whenever you send anything or buy anything UK to France, France to UK. Same with Germany, Germany, UK, UK, Germany. It's outrageous. So, you know, I'm probably looking at a 10 or 12 week wait before I could even have one of these documents in order to be able to move my money, in order to be able to transfer my money from one account to another. It's crazy. At the moment, as it stands, I can withdraw cash, but only in small amounts. And if I withdraw more than my monthly allowance or whatever, I get fined. (laughs) Brilliant company, right? And I do seem to be able to buy things 
online using my card, so long as I do one of those things, use the app to confirm, receive a text message, type the code in and or receive a phone call. So, you know, I'm not bleating. This isn't about, oh, poor me, what, you know, da, da, da. I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. And I'm not sorry. And I'm not going to stop. But what I'm trying to do is tell you that what I'm describing here, is this not the social credit system? Because I refused to give a selfie, send the selfie to these people, disgusting perverts that they are. Some of them are perverts and some of them are selling the data to those awful biometric companies. Surely, anyway, that's just my opinion. But um, because I refuse to do that, because I'm a naughty person, bad social credit, I'm not allowed to move my money where I want. I'm not allowed to pay my podcast producer, pay my business bills. <laughs> Digital ID. Well, a selfie and a photocard, driver's license and or passport. Well, what is that if it's not a digital ID? It's already here. It's already here. It's already linked, isn't it? All of this stuff has already been pulled together. And programmable money, programmable money. Well, I already can only do certain things with my money. And if I don't comply with arbitrary, degrading and privacy violating rules, such as taking a selfie to pay the gas bill, then I'm not allowed to spend my money on those things. So although people say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, that's not programmable money. You can still buy beans. You can still buy bread. Yeah, I can today. But what about next year? What about the year after? Right now, I'm being refused. I actually got refused silver. I tried to buy some silver last year and I got refused too high a risk or something. I was paying cash. <laughs> I don't have any debt. I don't have it. I don't have a mortgage. I have no loans. I have no credit cards. And uh, I was refused silver because I'm a peasant, you see, and silver's not for you. You're not allowed silver, Sarah. You're not allowed assets, not real assets. You're only allowed to buy disposable things or things that will run out or break or depreciate in value. Yeah, it's not for you. All of this security, my goodness me, it's not for us, ladies and gentlemen. It really, really isn't. I put it to you that the Data Protection Act wasn't to protect our data. Let me say that again. The Data Protection Act was nothing to do with protecting our data. It was so that loopholes could be written so that large government organizations and not some non-government organizations could share your data behind your back and break your privacy. So, for example, social services, if something involves children, they can share with whoever they want. The doctors share information with social services. Schools share information with social services. The dentist shares information with social services. The police shares information with social services. How do I know my sister's a social worker and I'm a teacher? Your data and data about your children is being shared here, there and everywhere. Why? Oh, because it's data protection. It was sold to us as it would protect us, the people. Well, when are we going to grow up? It's never to protect us. It's never for we, the people. It's for them. It's so they can write in all their nice little loopholes so they can share their information whenever and wherever they want. And what's their protection? Yeah, irony of all ironies, inversion of all inversions. They can do whatever they want and they can use the Data Protection Act to protect themselves. It's not for us. And here's a lovely example that I'm going to finish with. I had to telephone this company that wouldn't let me transfer my money from me to me and it wouldn't let me pay my bill. So I, I decided to telephone them, which I rarely do because I know it's a complete waste of time. But I thought I would go through it and then at least I could share the experience and hopefully it will help out somebody else. Anyway, my initial hopes were dashed when the guy said, hello, my name is Moses. And I thought, oh dear, this is not going to go well. Hello, Moses. So I explained to Moses that I was trying to pay my bill. It was urgent. I had only 15 minutes before I needed to be back in work. And his app, the app of his company, was refusing to let me pay my bill. 
It's a company I've paid many, many times before. I have more than sufficient funds and it won't let me pay. And his first reaction was, I need to go and speak to my manager. Can I put you on hold? Now, I thought that was a little odd, don't you? You work in customer services for an online payments company. A customer phones up saying, I'm trying to pay this bill. Please, can you help me? And he says, oh, I need to speak to my manager. Please hold. I thought that was weird. That says to me, there's some sort of flag against my ID on wherever I go on all systems. You say, oh, you're being paranoid. Well, why did he do that? Why did he need to speak to his manager about what at the time appeared to be a routine, please, can you help me pay my bill query, right? Anyway, Moses comes back several minutes later. And we have this, I won't call it a conversation because it wasn't. I explained to him that I was unwilling to surrender a selfie because it was demeaning and degrading and that it's not acceptable to have to show my passport and or driver's license every five minutes when I wish to buy things, transfer money. That's just simply not on. The banksters don't do it yet. So why are you? You're supposed to be better. Your strap line, your company's USP, your company's unique selling point is bye-bye banks, i.e., we're better than the banksters. You don't need banks anymore. And yet what you're doing, certainly in terms of privacy and personal security, is magnitudes worse, magnitudes worse. Anyway, he wasn't veering from his script. In other words, he wasn't listening to any of my legitimate concerns, whether they were legitimate or not. He wasn't listening and responding to any of my concerns. There was no listen and respond going on. There was no apologies. Have you noticed that? When you used to phone customer services, you know, who phones customer services to praise the company? Oh, I think I'll just phone Eon and tell them what a great job they've done of supplying my electricity this month. Can you remember ever doing that? No, of course not. If you work in customer services, you have to expect to be dealing with very annoyed customers because usually the only reason we would bother to phone waste our lives with customer services is because they've done something wrong and we want something done about it. Now, don't think for a single minute that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth and have no idea what I'm talking about and I'm being elitist or aloof and whatever else I get accused of. I have worked in customer services. I've done it face to face. I've done it over the telephone. I have done all of these jobs. I've been a waitress. <laughs> waitress waiting on is great. You get blamed by the customer who has legitimate concerns, and then you get plates thrown at your head by the crazy chef in the kitchen because he's mad too. You can't win. So don't think for a single minute, I'm not empathetic to the role of customer services. I know that role very well and happen to be rather good at it, even if I do say so myself, because I know that the first rule is you apologize to the customer. You don't have to admit your company's guilty. Apologizing isn't admitting guilt. It depends how you make that apology, doesn't it? You say, I'm very sorry for any distress that may have been caused. You haven't admitted anything. You've just admitted to the person that you think they're a bit of a stress head and that your company is sorry for that. But you've done it politely and in a way that they might start to calm down, right? It's very, very simple, but no apologies were made. When were you last apologized to by somebody from customer services? Think about that and then compare it and contrast it with 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Unbelievable. Anyway, Moses, Moses, he saith. Moses, do me a favor. Anyway, Moses comes back and he is not listening. He is just regurgitating. It's his company policy. I never signed up to that policy. I wouldn't. The contract I signed did not include those T's and C's at the time. Now, I'm not saying they haven't updated their customer policy. I'm sure they have. But there, it's usually written in legalese. And I think it's been proven in court that a layperson like me isn't actually expected to read and understand that anyway. So you'll have to look that up because I can't be certain about that. But I'm sure I read somewhere that in court, the courts are not so interested in these companies changing the T's and C's. You know, that tiny little small print, it's like 
400 pages and whatever. It's all written in legal speak. Well, yeah, sorry, cats out the bag on that one. We know that lay people don't understand that and it's unreasonable to expect them to. In any case, they have drastically changed their policy without properly explaining, without giving informed consent to their client, me. And he just, he wasn't listening at all. I got nothing from him. He was just repeating, but you have to give this, you have to do this to move your money. No, Moses, darling, I don't. You know, if a thousand people or a million people called in today to say, we're not doing this, your company would have to change their policy. Because you know what, Moses, your company's policy is not the law. There's a thing called the law. Well, at least there used to be. And that's kind of an important cornerstone of what's supposed to be democracy, fairness, justice, dare I say, equality, egality, and all of that business. Anyway, it was an absolute car crash. And he was getting very upset and very angry. Despite taking my details, he took my full name, my date of birth, my residential address. He took a whole bunch of security data from me and then refused to give me his surname. I asked him very politely for his surname. He said, my name is Moses. I said, yes, I know your Christian name. Your first name is Moses, but what's your surname? I am just called Moses. No, you're not, Moses. I would like your second name, please. I have a right to know with whom I am speaking. Completely refused to give it. I said, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I've just given you my full name, my residential address, my date of birth, and you won't give me your second name. I'm not allowed to know who I'm speaking to. I said, actually, hang on a minute. Given I have to prove who I am, why don't you have to prove who you are to me? Because do you know what? How do I know that I'm speaking to Moses from the company that I thought I'd called? Just because I dial a number, it doesn't mean I get put through to that company necessarily. You know that phones get intercepted. Come on, we've all seen James Bond. We've all seen spooks. Yeah, goodness me. This is the 21st century. Wakey, wakey. This security, this online security, it's not for us. It's for them. It's not to protect you. Look what's happened to me. I've had four bank account hacks in 12 months. Four times, hundreds and hundreds of pounds, sometimes thousands of pounds have been stolen from me. Yeah, I don't have that kind of money. Many, many times in my life, that would have bankrupted me on all four occasions. Many, many times in my life. Yes, I have. I think I've recovered all of the money now, but that's not the point. It's not about the money. What they're doing is deliberately wasting my time because they don't want me making videos to help you teach your children better at home. They don't want me making videos showing you that the law supports home education and how and why. They don't want me making videos helping your children do better at mathematics so they can't be conned by fake government statistics and fake government percentages. Yeah, they want to waste as much. The only thing we have that is truly finite is time. The only thing we have that is truly finite is time. And that's what they're taking from us, from all of us. One of my gorilla editors, great guy, Steve, said it this week. I think it was, think it was this week, last night. He said, you know, all of the, it might have been last week. All of this stuff is about taking your time. All of these big corporations and government institutions, all they're doing is stealing your time. Because when it comes down to it, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we truly have. Time is precious and they know it. So they do things that are wrong. They do things that are illegal. Then they apologize and pay back the money and nothing is ever done about it. No proper investigation, just lip service. Because the goal all along wasn't necessarily in that instance to steal your money because they've got loads of ways of stealing your money, like taxes. They've got loads of ways of stealing your money, like charging you for withdrawing too much cash from your own account, even though you've got that much cash within a, you know an arbitrary period, like 30 days, for example. They're trying to waste your time. What's more precious even than money? Time, 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 time. So that's what this is all about. Anyway, it was a complete disaster with Moses. Goodness only knows where that is going to end up. But I, I will be making a formal complaint and I'll be laying out my complaint regarding the selfie 
So the issues around privacy, degradation and humiliation. I'm going to have a go about discrimination against people who don't have driver's licenses and passports for perfectly legitimate reasons. I'm going to go down the, well, I can't get a new passport or driver's license through no fault of my own for eight to 10 to 12, somewhere between eight and 12 weeks. So you're denying me access to my money for that length of time, are you? It's not a legal requirement to have either. So that'll be interesting. And finally, my favorite bit, Moses called me sir. Yeah, that's right. Moses, the uh, customer disservice whiz kid, called me sir two or three times during the call. Now, normally, if someone wants to call me sir, I have no problems with that at all. It's uh, a form of respectful address. And I'm used to being called miss because I spent a lot of time working in classrooms. And occasionally a kid will accidentally call you sir because they're not concentrating and they were just in a lesson where the teacher was male. Whatever. It's no big deal. Calling me sir. Yep. Got no problems with that. Ordinarily, not a problem. But you know what I'm going to do? Just for good measure, I'm going to add on a fourth complaint that I was misgendered. And do you know which complaint is going to go the furthest, ladies and gentlemen? It won't be the data harvesting concern, the privacy concern. It won't be the humiliation and degradation of having to take selfies to be allowed access to your own money. It won't be the fact that some people are being discriminated against because they don't have or can't have driver's licenses, passports. I used to have epilepsy as a kid, which precluded me from getting a driver's license until I could prove I didn't have epilepsy anymore, for example. So there's plenty of reasons why people physically cannot get these documents, even if they want them. Nor will it be that the fact that, you know, sometimes documents expire and government organizations are notoriously slow at getting this stuff out to you, even if you file things on time. Even if you've done things in good time, you still don't get it in time and then you have no access to your money. That can't be legal, can it? Surely. If there are any decent solicitors out there, decent lawyer, never mind. What am I saying? <laughs> maybe there are. Maybe there's one and maybe they're listening. It surely can't be legal that they, they're not letting me do what I want with my own money until I have one of these documents that's going to take 10 weeks, 12 weeks to get to me. Unbelievable. But do you know which of my four, five, eight complaints is going to go the furthest? It'll be the misgender one, won't it? The human remains, I mean human resources department at this company are going to have a field day with that, aren't they? Yeah, they've misgendered me. The distress they have caused me. Never mind the fact that I can't pay my bills or feed myself. No, screw that. That's not oppression. That's not suffering. Being misgendered. Being called sir when your name is Sarah and you have a girly voice. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I should. I wouldn't normally play those games. I wouldn't. I think it's ridiculous, perfectly honestly. But you know what? It's about time we use these things back at these people. So, I urge you, ladies and gentlemen, think this next week as you're going along. Well, what can I do to push back? Who can I write a letter of complaint to? Who can I uh, do it against one of the big boys? But for goodness sake, if you're home educating, keep your head down. And if you're going to push back against the system, don't let it be with regard to elective home education officers. Don't let it be with regard to schools. Don't do it in the education and home education sectors. If you're going to push back against a system, power to you, but do it against one of the big corporations. Do it against the banksters. Do it against big pharma. But for goodness sake, if you're home educating, particularly protect yourself because they will use fair means and foul against you wherever they possibly can. Because remember, ladies and gentlemen, the ultimate goal of the regime is to keep those children in the indoctrination centers. They will do anything to keep your kids in those schools and get your kids back into those schools. So I say that really, if you're a home educating parent, you have a responsibility to your child's education, not to saving the world. All right. Leave that to gobsheens like me and other people who can, in some respects, because I don't have children, I can afford to have a, you know, I, I'm not risking losing my children if I take on government organizations and other various or nefarious, should I say, entities of the state and or corporations. So 
I think on that note, I'm sorry I don't have any better news for you. I'm sure I will in coming weeks. In fact, here's a good thing to finish on. I have some amazing guests lined up for you for this year for this podcast. I am so looking forward to meeting them and having some great conversations about not just the education of young people, but how do we educate ourselves now? Most of us realize we've been lied to on a colossal scale, a colossal scale. So how do we go about informing ourselves, educating ourselves, and learning to give good proper weightings to the credibility of certain different types of evidence? And on that note, I shall love you and leave you. Final notice, final notice, I am teaching GCSE probs. It's a one-night course, one night only, and that is on Wednesday, the 1st of February. What is GCSE probs? It's for parents. doesn't matter if your child is not yet studying GCSEs or perhaps you don't want to study GCSEs. It doesn't matter whether your children are in school or whether your children are home educated. You probably want to take a look at this. It's 8 p.m. UK time, and that's Wednesday, the 1st of February. And I am going to be showing you what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not just a math teacher. I'm a GCSE maths examiner. So I mark the maths papers for GCSE, and you should see what is going on. It won't just be about maths. There's implications for other subjects and the way the whole exam system has been structured. And forewarned, is forearmed, as they say. So get yourself along to that. And on the 11th of February, Saturday, that's a Saturday from 9.30 till 4, 9.30 till 4, Saturday the 11th, is my Gorilla Ed Maths Workshop. If you haven't been to my Maths Workshop and you have children or grandchildren, you need to get to my Maths Workshop. Children are being deliberately led down the garden path. Children are deliberately having their confidence knocked and their sense of well-being undermined in mathematics. And I can show you how, I can suggest why, and I can also show you how to stop it from happening. And you'll be able to discover it for yourself. You'll be able to pick up their homework, you'll be able to pick up their resources, and you'll be able to see how and where this is happening and make interventions to to help save their mathematics education. Math is really important. It's how the state does most of its con work. It's how they con us out of the most money. It's how they con us about voting and statistics, all of it. Big Pharma, the whole shebang. Look at the COVID hoax. They cheated us with cumulative frequency graphs instead of frequency polygons. More on that at the Gorilla Red Maths Workshop on Saturday, the 11th of February at 9.30, 9.30 till 4pm. Very much look forward to working with many of all and many of you this year. And in future weeks, I'm going to bring you more positive news. I certainly hope so. Have a great week. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination. 